My name is Erin Kenny. I am a registered dietitian, holistic cannabis practitioner, and master of nutrition science. Welcome to my podcast, Nutrition Rewired, where I share cutting-edge, practical advice to improve your health and debunk myths to help you rewire the way you think about nutrition and wellness. In today's episode, I'm going to be talking about why a plant-based diet might have made your gut feel worse. It seems confusing when we know that fruits and vegetables, whole grains, those types of foods are nutritious. They're fiber-rich, which help to feed the gut microbiome. They contain antioxidants and all these other benefits from these plant foods. So why is it that these foods could be making your bloat, your diarrhea, your constipation, your gas, why could it be making those things worse? I'm going to walk you through a few of the different reasons for why this could be happening, and I'm going to give you some tips for what you can do to help support a healthy microbiome and include a lot of these plant-based foods in your diet. From what we know based on research, a plant-based diet does appear to be beneficial for human health because it promotes the development of a diverse and stable microbiome. So it really helps to provide these fibers. These fibers help to feed the bacteria that are located in our digestive tract, and this helps to keep those bacteria alive. They're what we call prebiotics. So probiotics are those live bacteria that are supposed to confer some sort of benefit to the host, whereas these prebiotics are what feed the bacteria that are there that can help maybe prevent disease, they can help improve heart health, they can help keep our bowel movements regular, but they also produce these metabolites that are known as short-chain fatty acids that help to reduce inflammation and reduce our risk of things like colon cancer. So the positive health benefits of these types of fibers are just incredible. They're far-reaching in terms of the different disease states that we can help support by consuming these types of foods. They help to support the blood-brain barrier integrity, which is important for mental health. They support our immune system, which of course is very important for every single one of us. So when we talk about a plant-based diet, there's all these benefits, and we really can't deny that. Now, nutritionally balanced vegan and vegetarian diets, when I say those words, when I say plant-based, I'm not saying that you have to be fully vegan or vegetarian. Plant-based, meaning a large majority of your diet is made of unprocessed foods, rich in fruits and vegetables, whole grains, if that aligns with your body. Of course, everybody's going to tolerate slight changes in their diet, which is why there's no one-size-fits-all. But when I talk about a vegetarian and vegan diet, we're talking about clear restrictions. Um, And and there's an absolute way to do this uh, that is nutritionally balanced, but it does require that you have knowledge of certain nutrients that could be missing as part of a vegetarian and vegan diet. So I do work with a lot of clients who are looking to optimize their gut health, look to optimize their nutrient status. Maybe they're looking to optimize things like fertility or sports performance, but it's really important that they do it in an educated way and understand what types of deficiencies they could be at risk for. So the first compound that I'm going to talk about in plant-based foods, they're called phytates. 
So phytic acid is a naturally occurring compound that's found in all plant foods such as grains, beans, nuts, and seeds. You may have heard of it. It can act as an anti-nutrient because what it does is it binds to minerals in the digestive tract, which makes them less available to our bodies. And this can also influence our digestive enzymes. Research has shown that consuming about 5 to 10 milligrams of phytic acid can actually reduce your iron absorption by 50%. So if you think about this, just to kind of conceptualize what's happening here, is you have a component that is fighting for or competing for the absorption of certain minerals. So this is putting someone on a plant-based diet, maybe a little bit higher risk of iron deficiency. So in terms of eating a plant-based diet, this is why vegetarians should consume more plant-based iron than, say, omnivores, because the absorption rate is not as efficient as it is if you were to, say, eat fish or chicken, because the iron from there, from a chicken or a fish, is not competing with the phytates or the phytic acid. So phytic acid can also bind to zinc and manganese, and then it would excrete them as waste rather than absorbing them. And we know that things like zinc and iron are incredibly important for optimal gut health. We need it for immune function, for gut integrity. We need it for energy and optimal sports performance. So these anti-nutrient properties um, might be competing for absorption of these critical nutrients that we need for optimal health. However, these same anti-nutrient properties have also been shown in research to prevent chronic disease and have been shown to be associated with reduced risks of certain cancers and heart disease. Some ways in which you can reduce the amount of phytic acid in these foods, these grains, beans, nuts, and seeds, is by heating, processing, soaking, fermenting, sprouting, and also consuming vitamin C-rich foods with the meal seems to offset the effects of phytic acid. So for example, if you're looking for seeds or nuts at the store, we get our bulk pack of pumpkin seeds at Costco, and they have a sprouted version. You can also do a lot of these things at home. You can ferment, you can soak nuts and seeds before eating them. You can sprout your grains, you can sprout your seeds, your lentils. Those all help to break down the phytic acid. Another thing that tends to be very prevalent as part of a plant-based diet is soy. So when you're eating a plant-based diet, a lot of the time it can be more challenging to get sources of protein. It's not impossible, but soy tends to be a really easy, high-quality plant-based protein. Now, soy-based processed foods do tend to be staples for most Americans who do choose to eat vegans, including things like tofu, soy milk, soy-based processed foods. So thinking of, you know, those, you know, not meat burgers, the, um, you know, fake cheeses, all of the different things that they, they sell in the store that are meant to replace the, the non-vegan or vegetarian sources. So a lot of the time, soy tends to be present in there. It's also such a great source of complete protein So one of the the challenges of a plant-based diet is that you can't obtain as many amino acids in, you know, a piece of, you know, or a, a bowl of lentils compared to a piece of fish, for example. So lentils are not a complete 
protein is what we call it. It doesn't contain all the amino acids, those building blocks that the human body needs. So a plant-based diet, the individual needs to consume variety of these protein sources in order to get all of those amino acids that you need. With that being said, soy is a complete protein. So it's a great option. It's got calcium, it's got protein, it's got these healthy fats in it. So it really it, it is a attractive option for most plant-based diet eaters. Um, however, soy does contain certain aspects, things like phytoestrogens. So phytoestrogens are exactly what their name implies, phyto meaning plant. And if you look at the structure of uh, phytoestrogen, for example, you will see that the structure is very similar to estrogen in the body. A lot of people think that soy contains estrogen. That is false. It contains these compounds that look just like estrogen. And what happens when we eat these phytoestrogens is that they can interact with the receptors in our body to tell us, hey, we don't need more estrogen, or hey, we need to make more estrogen. So we can have these downstream effects in the body of these phytoestrogens interacting with the receptors in our body. How do we know which way that's going to go if we're going to have that increase or that decrease in estrogen? It's really hard to say. The research is, is conflicted, and I will say in my practice, I see it impact individuals differently. I've seen females have irregular menstrual cycles because they're consuming too much soy. <clears throat> so there's different instances where soy may or may not be appropriate for those who are working on hormone balance. Um, phytoestrogens are rec recognized by the EPA as endocrine disruptors. So there are you know, patients that choose to avoid soy if they are more prone to breast cancer. There are patients that choose to include soy because they're more prone to breast cancer. So it really, it just depends on the person and how their body interacts. And this is a very much debated topic in the nutrition realm because we don't have, um, you know, a full picture of the research in terms of all the populations that we need. Unprocessed and fermented soy products might be okay for some people but it does add the risk of hormone interference due to phytoestrogens found in all forms of soy. So if you are on a plant-based diet and you're consuming a lot of soy and you feel like your hormones have gotten worse, your gut's gotten worse, looking at the amount of soy that you're eating and maybe trying a month without soy and doing other protein sources could be a good way to see um, how you feel with that dietary change. There are also nutrient deficiencies. I mentioned this in the beginning. So nutrient deficiencies are particularly common among vegans. Things like iron, B12, B2, vitamin D, which is really important for hormones and gut health and thyroid, iodine, also important for thyroid, zinc, important for the gut lining, gut integrity, and also omega-3 fatty acids. So if you're choosing to maintain a vegan diet, you should be taking high-quality supplements of certain vitamins that you cannot find in these types of foods or getting blood testing to see, okay, what am I deficient in, making sure that you're regularly testing. Um, there are certain populations, especially uh, females who are looking to start a family. You, know, you really want to make sure that you have nutritional adequacy before heading into that stage of your life. Athletes 
you're already in a state where you're going to be using up a lot of these iron stores. So checking your ferritin regularly, making sure that you are optimizing your iron-rich foods, not consuming them with things like coffee or taking them alongside tea or high calcium products because that can also inhibit the absorption of iron. So there are a lot of really great things. There's a lot of really great supplements and ways in which you can go about a vegan or vegetarian diet that can allow you to have this nutritional adequacy. Another topic that I think is really important to bring up is disordered eating. It's not uncommon that I see in my practice patients who admit to choosing a vegan lifestyle as a means to lose weight, or uh, maybe a patient comes in with orthorexia, which is a type of eating disorder that's defined by an overfixation on healthy eating patterns. Um, so labeling foods as off-limits can really create this disordered eating and negative relationship with food. So anytime you know we're talking about sort of restriction or setting rules around food, we want to look at the, the motive behind that and see if that's really supporting <clears throat> that person's health and that their intentions are positive there. So we've talked about the soy, we've talked about the phytates, we haven't really talked much about the lectins. These are also compounds that are found in things like beans, nuts, and seeds. Um, they can also inhibit the absorption or you know, compete with the absorption of things like calcium and iron and zinc as well. <clears throat> and, and a good way to think about this when you're thinking about these different compounds I never really mentioned the science behind this, but when a plant is growing or when a you know bean is being formed, it's creating these anti-nutrients is what we call them, these like nutrient blockers as a means to protect itself. So it's protecting itself from things like bugs and harsh weather and, you know, creating a resistant, able vegetable or fruit or grain body for itself. It's a protective mechanism for its environment. So that's why it has those in the first place. It's not that we weren't meant to consume them as humans. It's just something that's naturally part of how they grow. Just wanted to clarify that a little bit. <clears throat> so if you're thinking about going vegan, um, there are some important things, or if you're thinking about you know, being a vegetarian or eating more plant-based, there are some things that you want to consider if you have been struggling with gut health. Number one is that you could have SIBO. You could have small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And when you have that overgrowth of small um, of bacteria in the small intestine, eating lots of fiber is going to make you feel so much worse. So making sure that you are getting, um, you know, working with a practitioner who can do an evaluation to make sure there's not something else going on before you try jumping into this higher prebiotic fiber diet. Another thing to consider is your water intake might seem very simple, but if you are transitioning your diet into incorporating more, you know, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, you're going to need water because if you don't, then you're going to have a lot of these roughage fiber type materials sitting in your gut and they're not going to have the water in order to help move that through in a way that's comfortable for you. And then also just understanding that these fibers are feeding bacteria in your colon. 
There's things like beans that just naturally contain a type of carbohydrate that your body cannot physically digest. So it's not uncommon that when you increase your intake of these types of foods, that you're going to have a little bit more gas and bloating. If you're constipated on top of that, it's going to be three times as uncomfortable. So you want to make sure that you're eating enough, you're eating enough of the right things, you've addressed your motility, and understand and accept that a plant-based diet is going to come with a little bit more gas, a little bit more bloating, typically because of the certain types of foods that contain these compounds, these indigestible carbohydrates, these fibers, and making sure that you're balancing out the types that you're eating. So an example that I'll give you, uh, I was working with a client last month and she's on a plant-based diet and she's eating really nutrient-dense foods. She's definitely not getting enough protein. We're working on that. But one of the things that we added in was some white rice. Really simple, bland, easy to digest, not high in those uh, prebiotic fibers. So we added that in. Her bowel movements went from very loose to much more formed. So it's this balance of we don't want to have just a diet full of indigestible fibers. So a balance is really part of that. And lastly, my suggestion for a plant-based diet is to really focus on the quality. If you have given up burgers and cheese and you know milk, things like that, and you're going to the store and you're looking for the alternative and you're seeing, oh, this is a plant-based burger and a plant-based cheese – it's important to take a look at the ingredients because a lot of the times these foods can be highly processed and they might have ingredients in them that just don't agree with you. So trying to choose more whole unprocessed plant-based foods other than instead of reaching for these more processed foods that might contain, you know, things like binders and, um, you know, different types of isolate proteins that can be difficult to digest. So it kind of all comes back to balance. If you are someone who wants to start eating more plant foods, we all should be eating you know, a lot of variety of colorful fruits, vegetables, whole grains. And if you can't tolerate those foods, it's typically a sign that something else is going on. And I'm taking one-on-one clients for the new year, but I will say my group coaching program is a really great place to learn about how to optimize your diet for your activity levels, for your hormone, your body composition goals, whatever your goals may be, we really dive into the science and I give you practical individualized examples of how you can do this. So if you're interested in working one-on-one with me or applying to that group coaching program starting in January, you can go to nutritionrewired.com. Also be sure to sign up for my newsletter. You scroll down, you'll see the sign up For that, you won't want to miss my holiday gift guide coming out on Thursday of this week. Every year, I've got all the biggest discounts and um, links that you can go to to find really healthy gift ideas for the ones that you love. And lastly, I wanted to mention that my Instagram had been hacked two weeks ago. And if you had followed me on there, then you'll know that it's no longer there, obviously. But I've gotten a lot of really nice messages about people just checking in and seeing why it wasn't there and also 
saying that they had saved some of the posts on there that were really helpful that they could reference. And I'm doing my best to A, get the first one back, but B, I'm also working on a new one. So I have a new account. It's up there, nutrition.rewired on Instagram. So you can go follow me there. And I am going to try to post as much of the old content that had already been up there so that you can save it and reference it. So thanks again for tuning in. And as always, don't forget to share the health.